Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this privilege that we have to, to read and study your counsels. We're thankful because you've loved us so much that you have uh, given us all that we need, that we may be able to stay in the faithful path and be able to keep our children in that path. Help us to have the faith to believe in your words and to stay in the right path always. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. <clears throat> So um, the children also worked helping out. Um, we were talking about the agriculture aspect and um, the importance of growing food as part of agriculture, right? But gardening also includes flowers. These are flowers are beautifying the Lifestyle Center where we uh, are. Our school is part of our Lifestyle Center. And so the children are part to do this as well. Now the most important thing about agriculture is the spiritual lessons that they get. What we were doing that day, this is a field that we have cleared out um, that's close to our school so we can do even a bigger garden. And it, there used to be a house there that burned down, so there was a lot of debris. So that day we were just clearing out the debris. So at the end of e every practical skills we do, whether it's, it's uh, agriculture, whether it's just chores, whatever it is that we do, we ask them, what did you learn? Um, what spiritual lesson did you learn? And um, so she was sharing how it was like taking the bad things out of our hearts so that we can get, have the soil ready to receive. Um, and the word of God is, is the seed that we need to have in our hearts. So we need to remove some things first, right? And so we are removing all this debris. Okay, another important part of a true education is to teach their children uh, physiology. Hold on, give me one moment. Okay, so here, uh, Chris, uh, Mm, this is Councils on Health, page 38. It says, a practical knowledge of the science of human life is necessary in order to glorify God in our bodies. It is therefore of the highest importance that among the studies selected for childhood, physiology should occupy the first place. Okay, so this is very important that the children are learning how their bodies work and um, so that they know how to take good care of it. Since the mind and the soul find expression through the body, both mental and spiritual vigor are in great degree dependent upon physical strength and activity. Whatever promotes physical health promotes the development of a strong mind and a well-balanced character. Without health, no one can as distinctly understand or as completely fulfill his obligation to himself to his fellow beings, or to his creator. Therefore, the health should be as faithfully guarded as the character. A knowledge of physiology and hygiene should be the basis of all educational effort. Education, page 195. So a lot of times we, don't, we think, you know, in, in public schools they teach the children health and it's good for their health and for their physical health and we want them to do well. But why is it so important in true education that they know physiology of the body, how it works, so that they can take good care of their bodies because it will affect their spiritual life, right? So it's all connected. You cannot sacrifice one without affecting the other. And so it has something to do with their salvation. It has something to do with their character. And so it has to be just as guarded. And so we teach them. Uh, about their bodies. This, the, uh, this is the primary grace class. We 
um, trace their bodies and then we taught them the skeleton system and then we did the organs. Um, and with each organ, we learned what kinds of foods we eat that improve the health of that organ. What kind of foods we eat that will destroy the health of this organ and why? What is happening in the body? What does this organ do? How does this affect it? They need to understand these things. It's easier for them than just to tell them, this is not healthy for you. And they just see you as taking away something they like. But if they understand how the body works, what is happening when they put this in their bodies, it's easier for them to make the choice for themselves to not put this in their bodies, right? So it is very important that we're taking the time to do that. The upper grace class was learning the same thing, but a little bit higher. And so what they did is they, they have labels and of the different organs in their bodies. Um, whatever they learned, they had to present it to the little ones. So at this time, my uh, children, which are the lower grace uh, students, first through third grade, are sitting, listening to the upper graders, teaching them about what they're learning. And uh, this lesson is about the ear, so they show in this water bottle what happens inside the ear, um, and then they, they did spinning around and things like that. He's teaching them here about, I think he did the mouth, I don't remember, can't see it from that one. Here's it where they're doing the spinning. Uh, the eye, and they did very practical things with the kids, so they, here they're showing them what happens to the eye when you put the the light in it, and so they're seeing very practical things of what your body is doing. So they learn, um, the, they learn the things that help their body, they learn how their body is working, and they're seeing it with their hands. This, the teacher that was there, we had a teacher uh, for two years with us that came from Hawaii, and she was just so creative and making things very practical. She came up with lessons, I don't know where they came from. She was, she was amazing, she had a talent that I wish I could have. But you know what? A lot of times it's hard to find teachers to come to our schools. I just pray. And how we got this teacher from Hawaii, I don't know. We, we weren't looking for her in Hawaii. But the Lord sent her. You know, and she was with us for two years. And then she left and I said, what are we going to do? And now we got another teacher. And she has great talents in other areas. And she's bringing blessings to the school that we needed that the other teacher didn't have. And that the Lord saw we needed. And so the Lord will provide for you if you stay faithful. Uh, now, cooking is part of health as well, um, so it's important to teach healthful cooking, not just cooking. And in, in Councils to Parents, Teachers and Students, page 127, it says, Do not neglect to teach your children how to prepare wholesome food. In giving them these lessons in physiology and in good cookery, cooking, you are teaching them the first steps in some of the most useful branches of education and inculcating principles which are needful elements in their religious life. And so we do take time in our school to teach the children how to cook. All of them, first grade, second grade, they all do uh, cooking and they love it. They love cooking class, they beg for cooking class. Um, and so as you can see there, they're having fun, thumbs up, this is enjoyable. Now when we do the cooking class for them, it's not a demonstration like they do sometimes in Lifestyle Center where you're doing this and they're just watching, or where you get everything just measured up and they just put it in there, and you prepare everything before and after. No, they have part in everything. They're the ones that oil the pans. They're the ones that mix the things together. They make the thing, they wash the dishes afterwards. They sweep the floors. This is part of cooking. When does cooking happen and no dishes are there? And if you do this all for them, you're not giving them the whole experience. So we do everything. And they have fun, even sweeping. 
you know, they just, it's all at, um, part of it. So they learn how to, you know, I had parents, when I first started doing this, I had parents coming to hug me. My kids are coming home and they wanted to wash the dishes. I said, why didn't you have them wash the dishes before? I don't know. But, you know, I mean, they're like so excited. They learned this at school. They're helping their parents at home. We're making granola here, granola bars. And so, so they went from chopping up the things, putting them together, everything, till we got the granola bars. This day we made uh, granola. This was the granola cereal and we made patties there. Uh, we made bread. This is millet bread. Um, but we've made regular um, whole wheat bread. Uh, we were making cookies that day. Um, and these are the kids there reading the recipe. They need to learn how to read a recipe too. So they take part of that part too. They put all the things in there, put it in the, in the pr food processor or the blender, whatever. They turn it on, they turn it off. Um, they have fun, they have fun. It is a fun thing for them. They really enjoy it. So cooking, uh, it's important. And what we do when we teach them cooking, remember, it's not just about cooking. You, you, I, don't, I don't let anybody just give cooking lessons to the kids because um, I want to make sure that it's healthful cooking. So every time we make something, we talk about why is it important for us to learn how to do this. When we were making cookies, I talked to them about sugar. And let me tell you something. When you're dealing with children, they don't need any sugar. I was teaching public schools, and before I knew very much about the health message, I had already learned not to give. I used to give chocolate to the kids as a reward. And just by common sense observing, I realized this is not a good idea. And initially what I did is I started giving the chocolate at the end of the day so they go home and do this crazy <laughs> stuff at home because the moment they eat sugar, they start acting crazy. And so then later on I realized, well, this is not good for them, so why am I giving it to them at the end of the day? So I started giving them pencils or other things instead of sugar. Then I learned what I, I had to do a research for my master's program, and I decided to do it in, on how nutrition affects the brain, the, the learning brain, because this, this class was about how the, the brain learns. And I found out so many things. I had no idea there was so much research that shows what we eat and how it affects the, the, the mind. Not just learning, but the ability to discern from right and wrong. The ability to choose the right kind of behavior. So you're wanting the children to, to behave right, but you're giving them the wrong food, it's not gonna happen. And one of the number one things that affected children to uh, not learn well, not be able to focus, not be able to remember memory, uh, ability to think um, well, uh, critically, and be able to understand, uh, be able to control themselves, behaviors, all that, sugar, sugar. And the thing is that sugar is sugar, right? It can be brown, it can be purple, you can color it any color you want, it's sugar. It does the same thing in the body when it comes to the, the sugar acts in the body as a drug. It gives a high and then a low, right? So you have to be very careful with that. Kids get enough sugar, so we don't do any sugar in any of our recipes, right? Um, when I realized how immediately the behavior is affected, I realized this is not something the children need. We know that everything we eat will affect, but there's certain things, stimulating things, that will affect immediately. And so, as a Christian, I think we need to be a lot more careful that, um, that we're not putting this in front of them. So, 
they, they're very excited to, you know, I, I had a little boy that he told his mom, I don't want cakes anymore unless Miss Feliciano makes them. Now, let me tell you something. I, I, not, I never learned how to make cakes I didn't, uh, until I went here because I used to always celebrate the birthdays of my kids and I used to always have a little cupcake or something for them. So now I'm thinking, well, I can't teach them to the no sugar and then bring them sugar on their birthday. So I said, I gotta do, I got, I'm gonna have to learn how to make cakes because I'm not gonna find one without sugar. So I started learning. <laughs> And the first one, I thought they were going to hate it because I thought it was disgusting. And the thing didn't look very good. It came out horrible. And the kids love it. They came back the next day, oh, this was really good. And, um, and then I got better at it. And the, the, the rest of them weren't so, so bad to taste. But I had one little boy. I'd been there in the class for five years. And the mom came to me and said, I need the recipes to your cakes. Because when his birthday comes around, he says, I don't want a birthday cake unless Miss Feliciano makes it. And, and I was like, and she was, and I said, really? What's so special about my cakes? He says, the, the ones I make are too sweet, he says. He likes yours. <laughs> so I don't know how he got used to it. But um, so he would not eat any other cakes unless I make them. They get used to it. Uh, if you start them earlier, they will get used to it. Uh, and then they won't, they won't need it. It's not good for them. Medical missionary work, it's another important part. Um, here. Uh, and it's talking about our church school. Children are to be instructed in the special truths for this time and in practical missionary work. They are to enlist in the army of workers to help the sick and the suffering. Children can take part in the medical missionary work and by their jobs and titles can help to carry it forward. By them, God's message will be made known and his saving health to all nations. And this is Adventist homepage 489. Okay, so children need to learn how to treat the sick. They need to do medical missionary work. And so here we're teaching them um, hydro treatment. This is a very simple treatment that they can do to themselves and they can do to someone else. And so this is um, uh, with, they have the, a pair of socks, a thin pair of socks. They put it in really cold water, put it on, and then they put a plastic bag on top of it and then a thick pair of socks, dry thick pair of socks on top. And even though it starts with very cold, it will warm up and become hot uh, while they're wearing. So at first they were like, oh, this is really cold. And I'm like, you're gonna get hot. And it was really neat because they were like, oh, I feel hot now. And they were like, how can that happen? I had cold first, you know? And when I did this activity with them, I remember when I was in, in public schools in first grade, teaching the children hot and cold was one of the units we had to do for science. And usually they had these worksheets with pictures of things and they had to label cold and hot. And when I saw this, I was like, this is so much more fun. Why circle hot and cold when they can feel cold and feel hot, right? They, this is the practical way we need to teach them things. It has to have a meaning for it. And they see a use uh, for it and they, it made sense to them. And so this is, we have uh, um, Osiris, she's the one that runs our, our herb shop. And so she, we invited her and she did some natural remedies. This, day, this um, class, she was doing a Russian penicillin, so she taught them how to make it and then they had to drink a little bit of it. So some of them were like, ooh, I don't wanna drink this. And others were like, oh, give me yours, I like it. <laughs> so anyways, they all had to at least taste it. So she gave it a little bit and if they wanted more, they can have more. Um, this day we were making charcoal poultices and then they had to apply it on each other and they were having so much fun. Uh, and, and then they were like, can we keep it until we get home? So sure. 
So they went home with their uh, charcoal poultice. Um, this is uh, Ms. May. She works in our lifestyle center, and she was giving here a more professional class on how to make charcoal poultices. I didn't make them so nice and, and neat as she did. She has all these di different things in there, so she taught them how to do this because they have to make them for their lifestyle uh, guests. And so you do need to learn a more uh, presentable way when you're doing it for somebody else. Um, so they learned how to do it. Now the upper graders' uh, assignment was to take notes because they were going to have to teach that next mm -hmm. in front of a camera and record it. And this is them. Each of them had to do it and be recorded. So they have a video of them teaching how to do uh, charcoal poultice. And these videos have been uploaded um, and, and, uh, so that other people can see. And their parents were so happy to see all oh, their children are able to do these things. We have to give them practical use for what they're learning, right? And so uh, medical missionary work is an important part. Another important part, oh, uh, this is part also of the, uh, we have, uh, this was our massage therapist. He came and taught them some uh, different massage te techniques. Um, and they enjoy giving massage to each other. And their assignment was they need to go home and practice now on their moms and dads. So they got to do that. And this lady, she came and did a lesson in onions and garlic, and she taught them all kinds of things they can do for it, and they just loved it. Uh, she had them cut it up and put it together, and uh, they had to put it over their, uh, their ear, over different parts, and their hands. Um, and so they get hands-on experience of, of doing all these things. So she explains it, and she has them do it. She was really good. Canvassing is another thing that we don't always uh, think of. And when I came across this, I was, like, I, I, I was uh, challenged to, to do this. Um, this is in Publishing Ministry, page 363. It says, God desired that the sale of price object lessons shall be recognized by all our people as his method of relieving our schools from debt. It is because this plan has not, has being neglected that we now feel so keenly our lack of means for the advancing work. Had the schools availed themselves of the provision thus made for them, there would be more money in the school treasures and more money in the hands of God's servants with which to relieve the necessities of others, other needed departments of the cost. And best of all, teachers and students would have received the very lessons that they needed to learn in the master's service. Now, this was a hard thing for me because when I went to uh, Bible worker training, one week of our Bible worker training was canvassing, and I did not like it. And I said to myself, this is for somebody else, not me. I'm never doing this again. So when I read this, I was like, we have to do this. And now in this quote, she mentions Christ's lessons. She mentions other books and, and other quotes talking about the same thing. Um, the point is, is the literature work was one of the means God made for providing finances for our schools. And we're always complaining. We don't have the finances. And she says, if this had not been neglected, we wouldn't have the problems we have financially. So I, I thought to myself, okay, we need to do this. Now, our elementary school is, it's, a supporting ministry of the Lifestyle Center. So the Lifestyle Center is the one that is bringing the finances. We really usually don't have to worry about that 
because we're not bringing money in, we're just taking it out and we don't really think about it very much. But because she said this needs to happen, I decided we need to do this. And of course it does obviously, the, the institution is very happy that we're bringing in some money in. Um, but you can sometimes think, oh, well, we have the money we need. But there's a part here that's very important that um, she says, and the best of all is that the teachers and the students will have received the very lessons that they needed to learn in the master service. It's not just about the money. There's lessons to be learned. And when we go out there, I tell the children, listen, uh, God has told us this is the way to relieve our school. So, yes, we're going to sell the books. We're going to bring money in. But the most important thing in our minds need to be the souls of the people who we are going to minister to. We need to pray that the books will be in the right people because this is a way to bring people to Christ. And so we try to inculcate in them a, a burden for the salvation of the people that we're going to uh, minister to. And we usually, what we do is we, we take them, and I, I meant to put pictures in there, and I ran out of time of what we do. We had, there's a picnic table in front of the country store, so we take, uh, we take a day every week during the season when it's not freezing cold, and we sit out there, and we bring all our schoolwork, and we do our schoolwork in the picnic table, and they take two at a time, are taking turns to be the ones selling, and they stand, and when people are coming into the country store, they come and canvas them. At some point, we want to go out and start doing Walmart or places like that. We don't take them house to house because of the uh, uh, dangers that are there. Uh, if we don't have all the parents coming with us, we, we just, uh, it's a liability to bring little children uh, that way. So we're trying to do the plan and still keep them safe. And they love to do it. And when it gets cold, they start saying, where are we going to go again? Are we not going this week? Now, at first, they're very nervous. And we practice in the classroom. And I always tell them, you pray whatever comes out of your mouth. If you're trying to do your best, whatever comes out of your mouth, the, the Lord will use it to touch somebody's life. Now, we, we try to practice the canvas. So I make it very simple for them. It's not the canvas a usual canvasser has. Um, but we try to practice it and do it the best we can. I teach them to improve on their skills, but I also teach them to, to do the best that they can and not feel like, because I cannot do it as best this person or that person, and I haven't gotten to this place, that God cannot use me. Because you can stumble in there and blah, 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 and say nothing, and if you were trying to do your best, the Lord can still use it, because it is not you who's convincing the people. It's the Holy Spirit, right? And so we, we do want them to not just be ne neglect their preparation, but at the same time not to focus on that or rely on their abilities, but always remember it is God. And if they learn that lesson, they'll always be brave enough to go out because the Lord will help them with all these things. Now chores. This is something that when I first got there was hard for me because I came from the public school system. They come in every day, vacuum your classroom, clean, everything is clean for the children. The children leave and everything is clean and they come back and everything has to be spotless for them. You, they, don't have, I mean, they don't have to clean these things. They, if you put a child to clean the bathroom in a public school, you're in big trouble. So I was like, how do I, at first I was like, I don't think we're gonna, so I had them at first just kind of taking the trash out. And, and you know, sometimes the Lord has to work with us because our minds have been so accustomed to the ways of the world that we even see uh, when we see God's way, sometimes we think it's abusive, it's not right, and we try to accommodate it to our thinking. So at the beginning, I was kind of reluctant, and I started with a little bit here and a little bit then, and then I was like, 
what am I doing? I need to do Augustus. And one day I decided, because I was coming in the weekends to vacuum the school, and one day I decided, I'm gonna let the kids vacuum. So I taught them that day we work when the, uh, we're gonna do vacuum, and the chores was before recess. And the recess bell rang, and they had not finished vacuuming. So I was like, okay, well, we'll put it down, go to recess, come back. And they're like, no, we want to finish. And they used up their recess time to finish vacuuming because they thought this was so great. And every week they were fighting to see who was going to vacuum. They wanted to vacuum. And so they get different things to do. Um, this is child guidance, page 350. says, God desires both parents and teachers to train children in practical duties of everyday life. So when you have a school, don't think, oh, the parents are the ones that have to do this. No. Once you the children come to your school, you have the re same responsibilities that parents have. And you have to teach everything. You cannot, because you're not going to be in that home to see if they do it or not, and you shouldn't be checking what they, you know, you need to be encouraging the parents. Sometimes you have to educate the parents too. Um, but you're not going to know everything that happens and doesn't happen in the home, and you're not supposed to be an investigator of what has happening in the home. So you have to fulfill the education plan completely in the school for every child has that opportunity. If they don't get it at home, they get it at school, right? So they learn these things, and they do. They clean the toilets, they clean the sinks, they sweep the sidewalk. Um, they, we do special projects, take down the, the blinds every now and then, and they, they wash them and clean them, and they have a lot of fun doing all these things. Uh, and we've raked leaves in front of our yard, and you know, we make a pile, and then we all jump on it. Uh, we try to enjoy what we do, but we all take part of everything. Of course, we're there with them. You know, we can't expect children uh, to do things as perfectly as we do, so we have to guide them and help them. Uh, it's part of learning, so if they miss something, you got to go back and say, oh, oh, you forgot this, let's do this. And important part, put things back where they belong, right? Because they would clean and leave all the stuff there, and then they go back and, oh, no, oh, you're not done. Yes, I'm done. Well, come here with me. Let's see, what do you think is undone? Oh, I forgot the things. Oh, let me put it my way. So all these things are important. Okay, another aspect, uh, principle of true education is to teach them practical skills. And here in page, uh, in A Call to Stand Apart, page 62, it says, in ministry to the poor, there's a wide field of service for women as well as for men. The efficient cook, the housekeeper, the seamstress, the nurse. The help of all is needed. Let the members of poor households be taught how to cook, how to make and mend their own clothing, how to nurse the sick, how to care properly for the home. Let boys and girls be thoroughly taught some useful trade or occupation. So we try to teach them all kinds of things that are useful. We don't just do crafts and things that are, you know, I mean, they are fun what we do, but that has a use for it, right? And so here, they, uh, this was sewing class, and that year, this teacher had two boys in the classroom, and she, taught me, she told me, I'm going to teach them sewing. And I thought, well, that's going to go really interesting. The boys are not going to care very much for sewing, but... Um, of course, you know, this is what God says, so let's do it. Those kids were so excited because a sewing machine is a machine. What boy doesn't like machines? They, and I was like, really? Yeah, they were like super excited with these machines. Now, in the lower grades, we teach them hand sewing because the uh, sewing machine is too dangerous for the little ones, so I had not done that. Um, but she was teaching them with the sewing machines, and they were so happy um, to be doing that. And, and they did uh, little pillows and... Um, one of the boys made a stingray, um, and he carried that thing everywhere. Eighth grader, 
with his little stingray that he made in the class. They uh, learn, um, can't tell if it's crochet or knitting. Uh, she knew how to do all this stuff. I know how to sew, but I, uh, beside that, I don't know very much. So she taught them all these things and they were very happy to do the two boys that were in her class that year. Uh, these are the younger grades sewing a little hack, hacky sack. Uh, which basically is just a little square thing with beans inside and they just toss it around the playground. So the older boys did it in their sewing machine and they were playing within the playground. They're like, oh, we want to make them. And so we made them by hand and they're very excited. At some point, I, we did do a project with a sewing machine in my class, but it was very much guided. Uh, I had one at a time and it was one of, it was a big pillow we were making for a bench we had made. And it was a straight line this way, a straight line that way, so it was easier to do so that they can have the feel of a sewing machine. Um, now this is, this is Pastor Abwood. And I tell you that he has been a great blessing to me. When I came to, uh, to Wildwood, I didn't know a whole lot about tree education, except I needed to do tree education. And I went so many times to counsel with him because I, I had, you know, I understood my mind had been trained in this system. So sometimes I was questioning Am I doing the right thing? So I would go to him and I'm like, okay, I, uh, this is what I was taught. I'm conflicting with this, but I don't want to be going off this field either. So I want it to be balanced. And he helped me out with many things. And not only that, he has volunteered time to teach our children. And this man has taken true education very, very, very serious in his life. He's a pastor, but he has learned how to do all kinds of things with his hands. He knows how to do just about anything. And if he doesn't know, he learns it. So we, we take the students to his house for practical learning once every other week, and he teaches them all kinds of things. So, so this day, they were fixing a wheelbarrow and replacing a, a, um, a, a uh -huh, out of this thing that he made. I don't know. Um, and so he, they were so excited to be able to find where the leak was, to be able to seal it. And so he taught them how to do all that. And, and they put it together. This is splitting wood. I was in that day with them, and but for weeks after, they just kept talking about, oh, that was so fun, splitting wood. <laughs> they, they really enjoy it. And then Pastor Edward goes around the campus when trees have fallen down or have been taken down because they are um, dying, and he helps chop them up into pieces. And so he took the kids out there, and they helped cut off the limbs. And then this was collecting leaves in the fall. The whole campus gets full of leaves and the, um, the maintenance department sometimes have a hard time with keeping up with everything. So this man doesn't, it doesn't stay idle. He always finds something to do. It's not his work. So he goes around with his little thing collecting the leaves and then he shreds them and uses them in his compost. And so he took the kids out there and then um, this day they were using different tools to cut. Uh, he had them use a two-man saw and uh, this other saw and just had to there. And this is how they, they collect all the woods here and then they put it in this uh, machine here where he chops it up and then he puts it in his compost. So he teaches them all these things uh, in his house. This is at the president's house. His wife gave a class of canning to the children and they did everything from beginning to end. They washed the apples, they peeled the apples, they, they checked for the lids that they were uh, well, they chopped them up, they put them in the, in the big thing, and I wish I, I had um, a better picture of the, this is the, it's a, a big steamer thing, and they love that thing, because there was steam coming out, and every now and then it would go, Poosh, and the thing would um, pull up. So they, they did everything, they sealed the, 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 the jars, and we, we had applesauce that day, we canned beans uh, another time. 
Uh, so we taught them that. This is a building workshop that children had. Uh, first, they went just to learn how to use the tools. So they practiced in little pieces of, of, wood, of leftover wood, cutting and, and nailing, uh, using the saw, uh, measuring tools, the drill, uh, the hammer. So they learn all these things. And then they help build a shed. And the kids cut the wood. They carried it to the place. They see them carrying. And then these kids and the ladder uh, uh, up there, and they are drilling and hammering and putting this thing together. They made this, this if you go to Wildwood, in the farm, there's a big shed that, that holds our, the furnace that they used to heat the, the, the um, greenhouses. That shed was built with our children. Okay, they, they helped build this. And then they painted it. This is them painting. You see, they, they had a lot of fun painting. Um, so that was then. And they, they were always begging now for another building project. So the next year, uh, they built um, raised beds for the farm, for the greenhouses. And the year following, this man was a doctor that came to our institution. Uh, and unfortunately, he was there very shortly, but he learned that the children wanted a tree house. And he said, I can work with them and teach them how to, how to build it. So he came in and he worked with the kids to draw the plan. He talked to them about why it's important to have uh, certain aspects of it. He used math everywhere. This was math in practical use. And they were really excited. We drew all the plans and then he left sooner than we expected. So we didn't get the tree house built. But they were so excited about it, they decided we're going to write a letter to the maintenance department and tell them to help us build this house. So they did, and the maintenance department took the challenge. Now they're very busy, so it took a lot longer than we expected. But they did come and uh, started working on it. They taught the kids to build the walls and the, and, and the ground. Uh, so you know we did, do, do let them do all these things, but we keep their safety in mind so they were not up there. Uh, and then they did the work that was uh, more dangerous. And this is our, our treehouse finished. We have worship there, they play there. Um, it's a really neat place to be, especially when it's, the weather is not too great outside. Um, and so it was a nice thing that they, we have in our school that they made. Now we don't always have other people to come. So, you know, of course I had to learn some uh, tricks myself. So uh, we, they were begging for a building project and I, there was nobody that could do one for them. So we decided to use some leftover pallet wood and make a stool. We needed a stool for the class and I was gonna go buy one and I was like, oh, we can make one. Um, so I started looking and, uh, on YouTube. You learn a lot on YouTube. Um, and uh, found one and we made it together. And these are first graders. Uh, so we put this thing together. They were so excited. They finished it, they were going up and down, up and down, and they said, can we go to the upper grades classroom and show it to them? And I was like, okay, but let me ask the teacher first because they're in class. So I'm walking to ask the teacher and they're walking with that thing. They just walked into the classroom and they're like, look! And I was like, sorry, I meant to ask if we can interrupt your class, but they were just too excited. And so they were going, and then they told the teacher, you have to go up and down it. And so she had to go up and down it. And, and then they, they asked the students, you got to go up and down it. And so anyways, we have it in our class, and it's, um, they use it to be able to reach parts of the board that is too high for them. Uh, this week we were working on a crate. We didn't finish it, and I didn't have time to pull up the pictures, but they enjoy doing all kinds of things. This is the air shop. They work at the air shop. Well, we do the upper graders every afternoon, have work in, in different departments of our um, ministry. 
for an hour and that's their practical skills um, class. The younger ones, we schedule them to go there once in a while, not every week because they're not as able to handle so many responsibilities and we don't want to burden the departments either, but they get the experience to do some of these things once in a while and the older ones get the experience to be workers there. They, show, they wear their IDs and they go there, show up to work, they know they have to be on time, they know they need to be diligent the time that they're there, and they enjoy it. And they do all the kinds of different things. Here they're bagging the herbs. Uh, this is at the country store. Uh, the country store, they get to take out some inventory, they, have, they get to do some of the bagging as well. <laughs> Um, they um, sometimes they, they get to pair up with someone at the cash register so they get that experience too. Uh, depends on how many people are able to help them. If there's something by themselves, they can still we go with them and we supervise them. Um, but they give them some independent activities and sometimes things that they work with others, pricing things. Um, the, the country store looks totally different now. This was a few years back. They're on remodeling right now, so it's a different place. This is the laundry room at the Lifestyle Center. And uh, they got to sort out the things, learn what machines to use for different kinds of laundry. If it comes from the kitchen, if it comes from the, from the bedrooms and all kinds of things. And they knew why we can't mix the two. Um, then they got to fold it and put it in different files. If it belongs to the hydro department, they are labeled with little letters and they knew how to sort them in the different places. If it goes to the guest rooms, if it goes to the kitchen. Um, so they folded, they separated, um, they have real uh, responsibilities that they have to follow and things that they can do. You got to make sure things that they can handle and they can feel fulfillment with. Okay, now here we're making um, candles and so we teach them how to do different things and we try to make sure things that, that have a purpose. So we talk to them about uh, the chemicals are in, in, in candles and how they, you know, whenever you burn them, this goes into the air, so we need to find a better way. And so these are uh, soy candles, and if you go by our booth, we have some of the ones that they made there, and we're selling them here, so if you want to have a 100% um, soy candle free of chemicals made by our children, uh, stop by our booth. Uh, this day we were making chapstick. Uh, we also have a few that we brought with us. Um, they enjoyed it and they loved it. We made it right on time for the season when they needed it, so they were uh, using it and giving it away as gifts for Christmas. Uh, and then serving others, this is very important. All we do, remember, we are to be missionaries, so um, it's important that we teach them the, the importance of serving others. Christian Service, page 206. The children should be so educated that they will sympathize with the aged and afflicted and will seek to alleviate the suffering of the poor and distressed. They should be taught to be diligent in missionary work and from their earliest years, self-denial and sacrifice for the good of others and the advancement of Christ's cause should be inculcated that they may be laborers together with God. And so here, we are actually in the apartment of one of our elderly members who have retired and not able to do her own cleaning because she can barely see. And so we went to clean her apartment. And that day we went and sang with her. She told us stories. We cleaned her apartment. Uh, sometimes they need more company than, than they need for you to do things for them. So we teach the children, the elderly, we, need to, we can't forget them. They can't leave their homes as much and they still need company. They can't do things, so they get, you know, lonely 
Um, when we're busy, we usually tend to forget we're by ourselves, but when, when you don't have much that you can do, uh, you get more lonely. So we um, have taken them to help them. This is another lady. She has passed away by now, um, but we went to visit her, and her, um, we knew she was at the end, and she loved children, so we just sang songs to her. She was living with her son and uh, daughter-in-law, so they were taking care of her. She didn't need for us to clean, but she just enjoyed the company of the children. They love to sing. And, um, and this is another one of our elderly. We went to help him in his garden. He loves to have flowers in front of the garden, and there's all these projects he wants to do, and his help doesn't always allow him to. So one day we went and helped them with that. Um, this is an elderly couple in the community, a Baptist couple. The, the lady, a friend of mine and I have been visiting her and we found out she was sick. So I, I told her, our children are praying for you. And she was so, so excited to know that the children at the elementary school were praying for her. And she was like, wow, that really touches my heart. So I thought, well, maybe she'll be open for us to come. So I asked her, would you be okay? I mean, I, sometimes when they're sick, they don't want people over. And uh, so I said, would you be okay if the children come and uh, sing to you? And she said, Oh, I would love that. And so we came and we sang and the children play instruments and they loved it so much they begged us to come back. And we've gone a few times, even though she's not sick anymore, but just to uh, bring the joy of Jesus in the hearts of others. And so they, the children are a great witness to others. Um, here the children are conducting Sabbath school at our church. They did the whole Sabbath school program. I was sitting in the bench and just kind of helping them figure out when they're supposed to go up. I didn't do anything. The children did the introduction. They did the prayer. They did the remarks. Everything, right, from beginning to end, and they loved it. And so they've done several Sabbath school programs at our church. And so Christian service includes our local church. They need to learn to serve at their church. Um, this is the Lifestyle Center. We used to go sing at the Lifestyle Center to the guests there. Their schedule now is too full and they're not being able to make uh, space for us. Um, so we haven't gone this year. But this lady, she was so impressed with our children when we went to sing that she asked, can they come and visit me in my room one day? So we did. We went and visited with her and she was so happy. She's like, I want a picture with the children. So we took a picture uh, with her. Uh, this is visiting our pastor who was sick. So when there's people who are sick and it's not something that we would endanger the children with and that they feel comfortable, we always ask them. Because, you know, I mean, sometimes you're sick, you need quiet. You don't need uh, people coming over. But uh, he was happy to have us, and we came and sang to him. Now, this is something that I forgot to put the quote in here, but there's a quote where Ellen G. White says that each of our homes have, should have a self-denial box. This is a box which she says we need to teach our children to instead of spending their pennies, of course now pennies don't do very much, but uh, nonetheless money in buying candy or things that are unneedful, that they should sacrifice it instead and put it here to help those in need. And so we talked about that at the beginning of the year and we decided to make a self-denial box. I um, mean, it's, it's not really a box, it's round. It actually was a oatmeal container and they decorated it and everything. And we talked about what um, it meant to sacrifice and it's not, might be things you want and you have the money to buy it. It might be a good thing, but it's something you decide, you know, I'm willing to not have this to give the money to help someone. And this went into a fund that was to help someone in need and we didn't know who this someone would be. I told them whenever we see a need, we'll bring it up and we'll decide as a class if we want to help this need. 
So they were putting in money in here and we had maybe about $10 in the fund. Of course, these are children in self-supporting work, so that's a lot of money for them to be given. Some were not giving money, some were giving more than others, but nonetheless, the opportunity was there. And then we had, um, and there was a worker that was coming in. He was the one that I told you before was studying with on the book of Revelation. The children really learned to love him and he had cancer. And he was going to a um, institution to, he had received treatment in our, in our facility. Uh, his cancer was something a little bit more advanced that we were not prepared to deal with. So he went to another institution and now there he couldn't get treatment free. So he needed money and he's been working for the Lord for many years. So money is not something he had, um, but he was going on in faith. And so I brought to the children the need. So there's this need. So we, what do you think? Should we give the money that is in the, um, in the self-denial box to help? And, they, and there was a, a, one of the girls that raised her hand and she, she had this really worried um, face and, um, and she said, can we bring more? And I said, yes, you have time to bring more. He's leaving Friday. We have until Friday. I didn't expect that they were going to bring much more. Those kids, at the end of the day, they're getting their backpacks and I hear a conversation going on between the two other girls. And one girl says, I've been saving to buy this thing. I don't remember what it was, but she had saved for a long time for this thing. She says, I'm not going to buy it. I'm going to bring that money. And the other girl said, you know what? I'm saving for this other thing. I'm going to bring it too. By the end of that week, we had 85 dollars from children when we gave that to him and I explained to him how we got the money he was in tears right and that 85 dollars was a little dent in his big bill nonetheless that was a blessing to see the children willing to give and it's what it does to him it's not the money that it's you know really how much can we do to help others is it's not very much but God is working more in our hearts as we do this. And so it was a, a tremendous blessing to see the children be able to do that. This is important that they learn sacrifice at an early age. Now, this is just a list of resources. What I share with you is what I have been learning. I don't know everything, and you know, I'll be happy to um, talk to you if you want to talk more. And I'll put again my contact if you want to contact me. If you ever want to visit the school, please don't just show up. <laughs> I'd be happy to have you visit, but do let me know ahead of time so we can schedule time that works. I am a teacher, full-time teacher, so I can entertain visitors all the time. But I will be happy to, to have you there. But I, I'm not the, the, the source of true education. The source of true education is God. Go to his counsel. So the book of education is the first one you need to go to. But there are plenty of them. If you read that one and you want to read something different, there is Fundamentals of Christian Education. There is Council. So teachers, pa uh, um, teachers, parents, and students. That's a little bit. Parents, teachers, and students. Child Guidance. There's Councils on Education. Which actually is a compilation of all that, the testimonies, the 10 volumes of the testimonies say on the education. Uh, and then there's two other things I put here where I have learned a lot. Um, of the practical ways to, to do um, the counsels that have been given to us. One of them is Classrooms, Classroom of the Remnant by Joshua White of Belt of Truth Ministries. And they have a lot of resources there. This would be, if you're just going to get one, this one has like a really good overview. 
Um, and then Pattern Education by Robert and Carrie Montig. If you go to their website, they have a document that they have put all of her writings by topic on education and you can print it out for free and have it. They have a lot of resources there. They believe in true education. They've done several seminars always for free because they're wanting, so they're not selling anything. Um, so if you go there, you can check out their resources as well. But like I said, go to God, pray, read the councils, pray, um, put him to practice, pray, seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit and pray. <laughs> Right? God is our teacher. He wants to teach us. He longs to teach us. And if we are removing the things of our lives that are not letting us hear his voice and learn to hear his voice and learn to be obedient to his voice, we will learn great, marvelous things from the Lord. And we will be able to teach these things to our children and to others. And so I hope that if you Forget everything else that I said that you will remember. God's ways are higher than our ways. Whatever you do, I get out of this seminar. I hope that at least you get that his counsels are to be trusted. You don't need to believe what the world is saying. You don't need to believe the lies of the devil. We mentioned, um, Teresa mentioned this morning, the tree of life and uh, the knowledge of good and evil. God never intended for us to know evil. But how did Eve fall into that? And, and to that temptation because the devil offered her a higher, better experience and she believed it. The world is, the devil is doing the same today. The same lies, different concepts, but the same, the same very lies. Oh, this is something uh, greater. You're going to get better knowledge here. You have more, ex you know, experiences that, uh, here, but it's not truth. He is still stealing from us what God has. And so just like this um, conference um, is something better to believe that God does have something better and not believe the lies of the devil uh, in the ways that he has given. I'm going to leave the contact information there. We're going to pray. And then if you have questions and want to stay behind for a few minutes, I'll stay here. Otherwise, um, you can contact me. My email and my office number email is easier. Uh, just because you might call me when I'm busy and then I, I might call you when you're not available and email seems to be an easier way. Um, but either way, uh, I will try to contact you. Do remember I run a school and teach at the same time, so I might not call you the very next day, but I will call you. Um, and so anything that I can do to help you, uh, guide you to God's principles, I will be happy to do. Let's pray. So I was just, are you the principal of the school? Or I am the principal of the school, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you that you are so merciful and so gracious to us. We know that you can help us to find the right path. And even in all the mistakes we have made, what a hope is in us that when we come to you, you can renew our minds, you can give us a new beginning, and you can help us to make right our wrongs. And so I pray, as we've learned all these things, that it will give us a greater faith in your ways and that we will seek day by day to learn more and more of your character, of your truth, of your ways, and to learn more, to depend on learning from you. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.
www.audioverse.org.